bring the gorilla in t-shirts, that'll get fans on their feet. We used to be so prestigious, now we've become obsolete. Lose 55 games a season, hope for another high pick. We bring in a new head coach, turns out we still sucking dick. I miss the butt like Paseo, everyday winning and jumping like AO. Now every game is a first quarter KO. Low Sun's jerseys look so feo. Talking sticks become a laughing stock. You know Robert's up to just jacking off to a pick of cash. He lucked in the Nash, and now he's everywhere just like a psychopath. Yeah, Bender's a bust. Motherfucker's so tall, but he sucks. Justin plays so hard, but he chucks. We traded Bob Don for a Cinnabon. You can jump hop, gives no fucks. We just lose games, but we draft busts. We sign vets who's washed up, and we think something's gonna change up. Yeah. So normally we don't do these midweeks, but it happened to be a holiday week, which meant that Greg and myself both had the day off. Mr. Dave King, he did have the day off, but he had something called family obligations, and so he couldn't do it, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I kind of thought, you know what, there's not going to be a lot to talk about this week. The Suns had a couple of losses that were both pretty disappointing, one more disappointing than the other. But then it turns out that the, the NBA does the things that the NBA does and creates constant excitement and uh, talk among fans. So you have the Washington Wizards that decide that they're going to blow it up and everyone's on the table. Otto Porter, Bradley Beal, John Wall. Um very interesting, excited to talk about it. And then, and then you have this whole shoulder debacle, if you will, with Markel Fultz and the Sixers. And um, I apologize for the audio that you're hearing in the background right now. It's because Greg is listening in his car and his gains probably turned up a little bit too high on his mic. I'll fix that. But all of this, all of this comes secondary to the fact that on the last episode we had talked, we had had a listener comment at the very beginning that was sharing how he was a uh, Suns fan, and he brought up something called the Desert City Six. And for this, and he left it on a comment on the uh, Bright Side of the Sun comment section under our episode, and for this I want Greg to take it away and kind of explain what the Desert City Six is now that we've had a listener educate us. Yeah, apparently it was a band, uh, a, a kind of a, a college-style band that played at Suns games in the uh, early '70s. And I remembered, I remember that there was a band. I remember seeing pictures while working for the team. I did not realize they were named the Desert City Six, and uh, it really sounds like a truly unique kind of concept. It was before they had the in arena music, and apparently they had a little section. That, uh, that they had kind of a bandstand and they they'd play music uh, the way that music's played through uh, through the speaker system now and it, it created kind of a collegiate atmosphere at the Madhouse on McDowell back in the day. It sounds really interesting. It reminds me of uh, growing up as a Phoenix Coyotes season ticket holder. We were too we were too poor to get in on the Suns in the '90s uh, during the Barkley era, but we were, we had enough money to get on in on this thing called hockey in the desert when it came here. And they used to have a, a section called the dog pound uh, that they do every, every once in a while in the upper deck because the upper deck basically was obstructed view. You couldn't see two or a third of the ice from sitting up there. So they'd have a local rock band come out. They build them a stage in the upper deck 
and they'd play during timeouts and intermissions and it was really really cool and really fun and it, this reminds me of that and i would love to see a night where the suns actually brought back this kind of concept brought out a brought out a band and and let them play the music rather than playing it through the pa uh it'll never happen because it would take uh eating up space that are for seats and that's money and we know how that goes uh, in today's game but it, it sounds like it was a truly unique thing about the suns uh, i'd love to dig deeper on that and then it also reminds me that in the early 70s they had a Cocaine. woman that dressed up as a well no that was the 80s <laughs> do you not know your son's history that was the mid 80s no, no, that's where when, they had cocaine that's everywhere. when they got caught having cocaine everywhere oh this is true <laughs> i i think the early 70s was before the uh, the heavy cocaine usage uh, in the nba but they uh they had a pseudo mascot that was uh, a woman dressed as a sunflower another bizarre chapter in son's history so there's a lot of great little nuggets from the from the early 70s that a lot a lot of people don't know that are kind of lost in uh in time yeah i, w- I want to give the listener credit to this it was uh his his username on bright side of the sun is vtb De- detroit and apparently he was so shocked that uh while he was listening to our last episode that he wasn't aware uh that that you myself or dave king were familiar with the desert city six that he actually had to pull over on the side of the road to leave this comment on the bright side of the sun section well and he also said he was going to be late getting home and it was going to upset his wife that's dedication if you're not all in like that on this show uh well i'm not going to tell you to move on please keep listening but i applaud you when you're that uh when you're that into this show. Also, let's be real. It, it doesn't take much to upset the wives. I'm not going there, man. You, <laughs> you stepping it yourself. I'm, I'm, my <laughs> wife is a wonderful, amazing woman that, uh, that I is never upset. You know, <laughs> I, I love my fiance to death, but, uh, so yeah, that was, that was super interesting. We appreciate the comment there. Um, now, Greg, I want you to imagine something. So do me a favor. You're sitting in your car right now. It's around 7.30 in the morning, Arizona time. And close your eyes. And I want you to envision something for me, okay? Okay. Are your eyes closed? I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you here. Yes, my eyes are closed. I want you to envision a coach that starts his best five players. Oh, uh, I, I can't. I have... I. Having been around this team for so long, that's just something that doesn't compute. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Well, A, I'm not sure there's five players that you could qualify as best on this roster. So uh, so I'm not sure. Maybe there's five. Uh, so it, it's, all, it's all foreign to me here. So we got to see one game of, of point book. And in that, in that game, Devin Booker, uh, what did he have? 37 points, 8 assists, uh, the starting lineup was Booker, Bridges, Ariza, Warren, and Aiton. That, that lineup, by the way, is the best five-man lineup that has played at least 10 minutes. They're a positive 23.4 on the court together net rating. Now, the starting five that he decided to go with the next game happens to also be the worst um, five-man lineup that has played at least 10 minutes with a negative net rating of 29.6, and that is Isaiah Kanan, Devin Booker, Trevor Reza, TJ Warren, and Aiton. And coincidentally, the Suns also lost to the Bulls. Are we shocked? I mean, and okay, 
point book, uh, great. He had a huge game. They still lost. I, I, this roster is befuddling to me. Yeah, I used a, a word that eighty-year-old people use, but befuddling to me. I don't, I don't get it. You have great games from from Aiton, Warren, uh, and and Booker, and you still can't get over the hump. And and then you go to this other lineup that obviously isn't great, and you can't beat one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, this this is we're we're back where we were last year. This somehow this roster may be more talented and worse than last year, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And I don't know how how that's possible. Well, I but it is. Well, the Suns are the Suns are a, an atrocious rebounding team. I mean, we you know we can talk about how bad their defense is. They're the second or third worst defense in the in the NBA by net rating. But a, a lot of their woes, whether or not you're talking about the last couple of games or um, on the season in particular, is the Suns are 29th in getting to the free throw line, and that's something that we've seen the disparity in the last couple of games, where you have one team shooting 30 plus free throws and the and the Suns shooting 15. Um, and then as far as rebounding goes, they're an awful rebounding team. I mean, they're, I believe, 29th total rebounds, uh, 28th on defensive rebounds, 30th on offensive rebounds. Uh, they just simply don't grab offensive rebounds at all unless you have Rashawn Holmes out there on the court. Um, and, and so that's really how they're losing the games right now is is, is those two things on top of, you know, just a, a complete lack of of defense, they're getting confused on when to switch. Um, I, I, I'm hoping, honestly, that, that Greg, you can speak a little bit more to the defensive coaching staff uh, that surrounds Igor on the team because I'm, I'm not familiar with their names. But whatever they're doing, uh, the Suns are really confused out there on, on pretty much every single defensive possession. I mean, you can see the the, the players yelling or not yelling, but telling each other what to do after the other player has started moving, which is, it's a lack of communication among other things. Um, but maybe you can go more into depth on the actual defensive coaching staff that the Suns have right now. Well, is that coaching or is yes. that just players that don't know what the heck? To no, mean? it's coaching because they don't know when to switch. And that's, that's the issue on, on a lot of the defensive woes. And, and you can go more in depth into specific players that, that should be better defensively than they are. Uh, but regardless, it's really noticeable how the Suns switch sometimes and then they get confused other times, and that's what's leading to a lot of wide-open baskets at the rim, and then you have players that are coming over from the weak side to help, which just leads to somebody wide open on the weak side corner for a corner three, and that's all because of, of the initial lack of communication on the switch. No, well, I think Corliss Williamson plays a uh, plays a big part on that, and I think he was the guy they brought in to try to get DeAndre Ayton in a mindset to play tougher and to play play defense well and so I, I think it part of that buck stops with him in terms of DeAndre Ayton is a big part of the defensive lapses since he's supposed to be kind of the anchor with all that and I don't know like I get it I get that those are the issues but they're not any different than the issues that they dealt with last year and uh, you know, with DeAndre Ayton, you'd think their rebounding would at least be slightly better because he's a better rebounder than they had uh, at all last year. Like at, at some point, there there's something fundamentally flawed here, and part of it is trying to buy culture, trying to buy leadership. 
you can't buy leadership for $15 million for one year from a guy like Trevor Ariza. That's not going to be culture. That's not going to be leadership. Culture and leadership are something that are long-term things that you have to develop that aren't an easy open-the-box solution, right? And that's that's a big part of what this team's missing because if you had a leader that said, no, this is the way we're going to do things on defense to, and get that communication together, uh, because the, I guarantee the coaching staff is telling them what they expect. There's no way the coaching staff is like, I don't know, do whatever like that. There's no way that's what the coaching staff's defensive philosophy is, no matter how much it may look like that at times. So at some point you need a vocal leader. That's going to make sure you're in the right spot, doing the right things, galvanizing this team. Uh, you know, and a guy like PJ Tucker used to do that on defense. He'd always be talking. Tyson Chandler was supposed to be that guy. When he was here, another guy that he threw $52 million at to try to fix culture and leadership. Some point it has to be developed within uh, and you have to have guys that are natural leaders. You can't shove guys into into that kind of role. And right now, I'm not sure they have it. I think Devin Booker's trying to fill that void, but I'm not sure Devin Booker is that natural kind of guy to do that. Is he fiery? Is he uh, is he? got that killer instinct yes but i don't know that he is the kind of guy that 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 is naturally the vocal leader to lead that kind of thing especially on defense so until you get that i don't think it's uh, an an amount of coaching is going to change a lot of things because defense is so much about communication and somebody kind of playing that anchor and they just don't have that right now so i think we're just going to continue to see this year after year till that's developed internally by somebody they either trade for that's here long term or somebody that that they draft that winds up maturing to that maybe mikhail bridges can be that long term but right now it's it's a ship without a rudder again it's just you're lost and there's no answers um, to kind of break down what you said about the Suns having a better rebounder this year than they did last year, uh, statistically, that's actually not true, um, especially on the offensive glass, which has become really noticeable with the Suns. So DeAndre Ayton, um, his offensive rebounding rate actually puts him in the 59th percentile, uh, whereas last year Alex Lynn's offensive rebounding rate uh, put him in the 90th percentile. Uh, as, as far as defensive rebounding, that really is his strength. Um, DeAndre Ayton, that is, putting him in the 86th percentile uh, among rebounding rate, whereas Alex Lynn was 80th. Um, Tyson Chandler was 85th, but the, the offensive glass are really getting killed. Now, as far as coaching leading to uh, better defense schematically, uh, I kind of disagree with you there as well. Um, and, and, and not to bring up a a team that plays really great defense, but a team that has really great, um, a a really great defensive scheme is the Houston Rockets. And when you watch the Houston Rockets play defense, even though it's not working every single time because of a, a sheer lack of talent that they have within the players, you can see their defensive scheme being executed every single time. And, and, and to me, that is the defensive coaching. Well, and who, okay, you kind of just made my point, though. Who's on that Houston roster? Yeah, but it's a, it's a, a Tucker, a guy who communicates. I get that right now you can't see the defensive scheme on the floor, but if you don't have players that, that 
are out there that grasp it, that are communicating, it's going to look like that. And the Suns don't have that guy. Like, I get it. There's probably some flaws in the defensive scheme as well. I'm not giving the coaching staff a complete pass, but this is a group still that's only, what are we, 15, 16 games? I, I don't have the math right, but a, a handful of games into their into their first season as well. So there's growing pains there, but without an anchor of the communication, you're just not going to, it's not going to show on the floor. We know there are roughly 40 Suns podcasts to choose from. Thank you for listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. So the real plus minus was just released for the entire NBA. Um, something that takes a couple of weeks before it's released because it's a little bit more complicated of a stat and requires some AI learning and that kind of thing where it really takes into account uh, strength of schedule, the players that are on the court around you, um, and all of that. So it, it, it takes a little bit of time really before it before it's released. So it's, it's finally been released, which is really exciting. Um, Greg, have you had a chance to look over the real plus minus yet of the Suns players? Is that a real question you're asking me? <laughs> I I would have thought the real plus minus was just a really bad rap group. I didn't even I didn't know it was a uh, a stat. Come on, you yeah. know I'm not advanced metrics. Advanced, you know that. So it's 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 a fun stat. In theory, it's a little bit more telling. Um, than just plus minus, if you will, which which can be a fun stat, but it can also be a, a little bit wrong. So anyway, we have a couple of players that I want to point out. Um, the only players actually uh, that are <laughs> worth pointing out because I didn't feel like going through eight pages until I found everybody else. Oh, yeah. Where's your dedication, Tim? <laughs> You're the stat guy. You need to do that for us. So breaking it down by position among shooting guards. Where would you, Greg, um, guess that Devin Booker would be ranked among shooting guards? The six in this in the sixties. No, 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 way better. Uh, he is okay. The nineteenth-ranked shooting guard among real plus minus. He is behind Tony Snell and just ahead of Karis Levert. Wait, so so things aren't as bad as uh, as people want me to believe. I, I just assume things are are so bad that everything's a dumpster fire when it comes to uh, any stats involving the Suns. Well, I would say that a player that they just gave a, a, a max contract to should probably be a little bit higher up than 19th among shooting guards. Now, if he was 19th among all players, I'd be like, that's pretty good. We're talking about 19th among shooting guards. Keep in mind, there's yeah. only 30 starting shooting guards. Yeah, I get that. But uh, apparently uh, everything is, uh, the house is on fire. So you know, I just assume <laughs> that Devin Booker isn't good either when uh, when you get into some of these uh, deep dive uh, rants that people are going on yeah. right now. No, Devin Booker's a, a positive player, regardless what Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue might think of him. <laughs> Uh, so. <laughs> they're like our arch rivals in podcasting they don't even know it yeah you know? <laughs> there are some suns podcasters that really respect their bias against the suns and uh shout out to them so among small forwards um we have two players ranked in the top 30 where would you guess that mikhail bridges is i'm gonna say 15th nope 19th 
That was close. Yeah, with a positive .34. So good on Mikhail Bridges. Where would you expect that TJ Warren is? Uh, somewhere between 10 and, and, and 12. Nope. He Somewhere, yeah. Number that, 29 with a negative .62. Wow. Man, his defense sucks. <laughs> it does. That being said, his defense has been a lot better this year, and he's also being asked to guard uh, usually players that are a lot larger than him. So, uh, you know, I give a pass a little bit on, on TJ Warren's defense because he has been he has been good when he's been able to switch, and that's been part of the Suns' successes when they have had successes. Um, but they're just putting him in a, a position defensively that's usually not his strong suit. Among sinners, where would you expect DeAndre Ayton to rank in real plus minus? 22nd. 40th. 40th. Mm-hmm. Man, he sucks. We should have taken Luka Doncic. Whoa. Sorry, I just had to go there. <laughs> where, where, um, by the way, is uh, so DeAndre Ayton, he is 40th. He is just behind Amir Johnson. If you tell me Alex Len is like 15 spots higher and another Alex Len based on statistics is better than DeAndre Ayton. I'm I'm just gonna smash my head into the steering wheel that's here in, in the car I'm recording in. Give me a second, let me look this up. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. I, I really did. No, Alex Lynn is fiftieth with a uh negative one point four six. All right, then I'm fine. DeAndre Ayton is perfect and <laughs> and we can move on. That's all I care about. Oh, actually the worst. Uh number fifty seven is Mo Bamba out of Orlando. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, young guys take time to develop. We've talked about that, so I'm not. I hope nobody in in Orlando is ready to give up on uh, Mamba number five, and and I hope nobody here is ready to give up on the uh, double double machine, DeAndre Ayton. All right. So uh, it turns out, and I think that this is a little bit more interesting. Plus, some other Suns podcasts have had plenty of time to talk about the Wizards. I want to start this off with Markel Fultz. His shoulder situation, and what is interesting about this shoulder situation is, well, a couple of things. One is that he says it's a shoulder issue, but if you've actually watched him watch or shoot free throws, there are certain points in which he's volleyballing the ball back and forth between his, his hands and mm-hmm. coming from someone that's shot a lot of free throws. I'm not sure that that's ever really a shoulder issue. Uh, it, it, but what's more interesting is that he is referring to his agent as his lawyer, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they have some kind of claim that the Sixers screwed up uh, his whole rehab thing and, and everything, and that's part of why he wants out. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if that's where this is going. But man, did you see that? A couple of his free throws have looked like Charles Barkley's golf swing, and nobody wants a player to have that kind of hitch in anything they're doing when they're shooting. I mean, it, it's weird and. It really looks like it's mental with him, and maybe a fresh start fixes that. Maybe there's just so much baggage in Philly, and we all know that Philly fans are not exactly the most, uh, uh, the nicest of fans, uh, the most sensitive of fans to certain situations. So maybe that change helps him out. Uh, the, the question to me is, if you're the Suns, what the heck would you actually give up for Markel Fultz? And I sat, knowing we were going to do this, I, I sat there 
thinking about it, and I kind of think I would do a Josh Jackson for Markel Fultz to say, "Hey guys, let's uh let's swap our uh, <laughs> let's swap our problems here and see if it helps either team." Uh, and I would actually be okay with that. With the emergence of T.J. Warren and, and Mikhail Bridges at that small forward spot, you can you can take a take a gamble with Josh Jackson. And his stock has fallen so much that I used to think you'd be able to use him as a chip to get in on on one of the big boys. You know, one of the one of the big time names. I'm not sure that he's all that enticing now. So if you can't get to the table. Uh, for one of those bigger names, and I know we'll talk about a few of them coming up, but if you can't get to the table without having to give up way too much, maybe Fultz is a is an opportunity to roll the dice on. Yeah, I saw I, I saw a tweet the other day, and I wish I could give the person credit, but I unfortunately don't remember who who it was from. But it basically said something along the lines of. Uh, Mikael Bridges is the player that the Suns hoped Josh Jackson would be. Yep. Uh, and attitude, I still feel like attitude plays a big part in it with Josh Jackson. You know, the talent's there. We've seen it, Is it at times. You don't think you don't think we saw flashes of it in the second half last season of him showing that that he can play defense, that he can be a slasher and a scorer when he doesn't try try over try on offense. Uh, and and try to be the guy that's jacking up threes and everything. He's effective, and when his head's screwed on straight, he's decent defensively. He's good defensively. Uh, like when he's in the right mind space, Josh Jackson has the talent. But when he's not, it's just a hot mess. He's yelling at T.J. Warren for you know about wanting to play when he's the guy that needs that kind of lecturing. He's he's shooting like crazy, you know, and and shooting 17 shots and hitting six of them in a game like it, it just it it gets it gets ugly when he's not in the right headspace i i love what mikhail bridges is doing and that's a guy that four years in college was a winner in college he came as advertised and josh jackson came in as a lot of potential one year in college and obviously doesn't have his attitude straight do you know what josh jackson's per is this season Stop asking me if I know advanced metrics. You know the answer is no. I do not know what his PER is. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a five point three. You know what league average PER is, obviously, right? Much higher than a five point three. I'm guessing <laughs> right around fifteen. Yeah, not good, Bob. Not great. All right. His, his true shooting percentage, Josh Jackson's true shooting percentage. Is negative uh, five. <laughs> no, it's it's forty five point three percent. Yeah, he's he takes awful ill advised shots. Like it's not good. When when summer league Josh Jackson showed up in training camp, that was a problem. We all knew we were in trouble when we saw that in the preseason, and it carried over to the regular season. <laughs> that should have stayed in Vegas, you know. <laughs> Oh, so if you were, if you were the Suns and the Sixers required a first, the Suns first round pick for Markel Fultz. Keep walking. I can get much better than Markel Fultz with, with that first round pick, especially if it's unprotected. 
Now, now if it was, hey, Josh Jackson and the Milwaukee pick, I go, yeah, what the hell? Let's roll the dice. Can't be any worse than this right now. We could hit, we could hit the lottery here with this. You know, I, I, I'd roll that dice. Markel Fultz for Mikel Bridges. Nope. Keep walking. Markel Fultz for TJ Warren. Uh, this would give me pause if this were if this were I can't early that October. Even gave you pause. If Come this on. were early October, I would have said yes. Now I I won't. I don't think I don't think TJ's touchable unless you are going at a big game fishing. Unless you're getting a proven star, I don't think you can trade TJ Warren right now. All right, I I agree with you though. I think um, it is whether it's it's my own thinking whether i am on uh sun's message boards on facebook on reddit sun's fans are angry about the lack of point guard on this roster and honestly they have every single right to be um not only do do point guards help you win but point guards also help you develop players so like a good point guard helps you develop your bigs um, I was listening to an interview with Zach Lowe, and I believe he was talking to Howard Beck, and they were talking about the lack of control that agents have and and everything. And once one example, I believe it was Howard Beck that brought up, is he was like, what would have happened to Marquise Chris? What would have happened to Dragon Bender if they had gone to a different franchise? And that's the state that the Suns are in. And, and, and part of that is warranted. Part of that's, you know, you have to give some onus to the players for their own responsibility for becoming better. But part of that is when you have franchises that don't have point guards, and this was something that I, I really um, was not about when it came to Philadelphia in the process, is point guards help your big guys not create bad habits. And that's why part of the process at the very beginning of the process, you had all these high lottery picks, whether you're talking about Nerlens Noel or Jalil Okafor that weren't developing. And that's because the 76ers didn't have a goddamn point guard. And now the Suns are in the exact same position. Well, it's uh, the way I look at this is as if you go to the doctor and they look at you, 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 you've been ailing for a little while. They look at you and they know what the diagnosis is. And they do nothing about it. They do nothing to help you. The Suns know what their problem is. They've known since uh, since the middle of the summer that they had no point guard and that that was going to be an issue going into the season. Now, Ryan McDonough claims he had deals on the table that he, that he was working through that he, he was hoping to have done by, by the beginning of the season. We'll never know if that's the truth, but now it's James Jones's mess. We talked about that. And sitting here and doing nothing makes him just as culpable as the players uh, in these losses because it's obvious that playing an Isaiah Cannon or Canaan, excuse me, major minutes is a detriment to this team. And and trying to slide Devin Booker into the point guard position is a temporary fix that that probably is a disservice to him. So how do you go out there? And try to find a point guard. And I am sick of the well. They're waiting until December fifteenth. You know that that's what everybody's trying to tell you. No, we've been through this. We always try to convince ourselves that there's a reason. There's something. There's a reason. And it's going to happen, and it hasn't happened. We've been waiting for a big deal for five years now, and the Suns have not made it. And I was okay with it for a while because you know the timeline, and we were building in a certain way. 
time's up. All right. Let's just let's be honest. It's time to move pieces. It's time to figure this out. There's too much talent on this roster to leave this gaping hole and not address it. And I don't care if you swing big or you find somebody like a Fultz that's, uh, you know, a, a, or, you know, a, a guy in that world that maybe is more of a, a hope and a prayer, but it's doing something. Sitting here and doing absolutely nothing is is almost criminal. Uh, you know, it's, it's that bad. And it's, it's tough. Suns fans have suffered enough. You know, don't put them through more of this. And if we're already in tanking mode, it may be time to just stop watching Suns games at some point this season because it's excruciating. I, I completely agree with you, Greg. Although I got to say, I'm still going to watch Suns games. Um, one, one, one thing that I do want to point out that I get so irritated about when I listen to podcasters and I'm not calling anybody out because I think they're incredibly smart people. I think that their takes are right on, but I'm so tired of hearing this because, okay. So when, when sons podcasters or writers or anybody says, and they talk about wear and tear, you can't play Devin Booker at point guard because of the wear and tear on his body. That is one of the dumbest takes I have ever heard. And I think a lot of this comes from people that honestly have never dribbled a basketball in their life and don't play basketball. It is no more wear and tear on your body to be the point guard than it is to be the shooting guard or the small forward or the power forward or the center. Regardless of the position you are playing, you have to do different things that are different, that are hard on your body in different ways. If you are a shooting guard, you're probably guarding shooting guards, which means you're running through multiple screens over and over and over again. That's putting wear and tear on your body. If you're the center, you're probably banging down low and you're taking a lot of elbows. That's putting wear and tear on your body. The same with the power forward. If you're the point guard, it just means that you're dribbling the ball more. So people that are saying that it puts more wear and tear on your body for Devin Booker to be playing point guard, that is a dumb take. Go dribble a basketball and and then come back and talk about it. However, if you want to talk about Devin Booker playing point guard that are not putting him in positions to exceed or to succeed, I should say, um, because he's dribbling the ball instead of getting open looks and being able to come off curls and that kind of thing to get his to get his own shots that are hurting his field goal percentage, fine. But people need to stop saying it puts wear and tear on your body to play point guard because point guards historically play just as long in the NBA as any other position. So stop oh. it. Stop it. I'm so tired of listening to podcasters that don't play basketball making dumb basketball takes. And I respect you guys. I respect you guys so much because you're so smart, but it's a ridiculous take. Stop. Oh, I, I agree. It's not what's putting unnecessary wear and tear on Devin Booker's body is playing meaningless seasons right. that that takes years off, off your career because you're not winning now and you're putting in all these minutes in limited as minutes efforts. then, but you know, <laughs> yeah, no, to me, it's, you're not putting him in a position to succeed because you're asking him to do way too much. So it makes him less efficient in everything, you know, less efficient shooter because there's not somebody helping him get better looks. You know, he's, uh, you, you just, you're not putting him in the position to succeed, which is unfortunate uh, and needs to be fixed because, uh, 
I know everybody said, well, he signed the extension. Yeah, but at some point he could get unhappy. And I know you don't manage a team around that necessarily, but it's been long enough. We've been through the meat grinder. We've seen this film. We do not need to live through it again. There's too much talent when you look at Aiton, you look at Booker, you look at Bridges, you look at Warren. There's too much talent on this roster to be the worst team in the NBA again. And at some point, you need to figure out a way to fix it at all costs. At all costs. Might that be putting in a grandfather package for John Wall? And before I get your response for that, I do want to take a moment uh, to just give out John Wall's stats this season alone. He's averaging... 21 and a half points, 7.9 assists, two steals, almost a block and a half. He's shooting 34% from three and 44% from the field overall. His contract, obviously, that's something we've talked about, him making 40 plus million over the next four or five years, although that does put you in a position where you do have a player who is of the age 28 right in his prime under team control until he's right around 32, 33 years old. But it would probably take a grandfather deal. And um, also, by the way, the Wizards do have a 22 million trade kicker that they would have to pay if they traded him this year. Honestly, I'm probably in the minority here, but sure. Why not? Go all in. Finally make the move for a star. You can't tell me that John Wall, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and a guy like Mikhail Bridges, if he's not included in a deal, don't make you a compelling team moving forward. And yeah, it's expensive. But you know what's expensive? Winning basketball. And you've got DeAndre Ayton on a team-friendly contract for the next five years. So go in and spend some money somewhere else while you got him pair them with Booker, and then build some pieces around these guys like the guys like the P.J. Tuckers of the world that play the bit roles on your team that you need to win. It is time to do something like this, and I am all for giving up your first-round pick unprotected for a guy like John Wall and maybe moving a T.J. Warren, uh, Josh Jackson, Start giving up these assets. Heck, even throw the Milwaukee pick in so they can say, hey, we got two first-rounders in this John Wall deal. Make a move that that says you are here to win and you're willing to do it. Uh, I think it's a compelling backcourt if you put Wall and Booker together. Uh, It gives DeAndre Ayton a real point guard that can help him develop. And you start to go, okay, if we are really trying to win in the next two, three years, This is a blueprint that can help us get there. And it's not like John Wall's over the hill and going into this massive contract when he's way too old for it, as you said, in his prime, and you have team control. This is different than when Kyrie Irving uh, was available and you were going to have him for a year, maybe a year and a half. Same with Jimmy Butler or a few of these other big names that came available. This is a guy that you would have long-term you could build around. Is it a gamble? Yes, but anything you're going to do at this point to get a star, uh, to get a guy that can take you to that next level is going to be a gamble if you're the Suns, and it's time to roll the dice. So I've heard a lot of chatter about people saying, no, no, don't go after John Wall. Uh, Pair Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. And for one, Bradley Beal would take a lot more to get than it would take to get John Wall. But personally, 
I don't think you want a, a Beal Booker backcourt. How does that help you? I mean, now you've just got okay, you got too many small forwards, too many shooting guards, no point guard. It does. It, <laughs> it is again a complete imbalance of a roster. It's a mistake to go down that route. Like it, it'd be one thing if Devin Booker were actually a point guard, and you're sitting here with no shooting guard. Right. Yeah. Go after it, but you have no point guard. It does not solve anything to add Bradley Beal to this roster. It complicates things. Um, Greg, I had a lot of fun recording with you. Uh, I, I don't know if any of this got picked up on the microphone or not, if you're listening through your headphones or in the car wherever you're listening to podcasts, but my three-year-old is no longer going to allow me to record this podcast, so we're going to have to wrap this up. And apparently he wasn't wearing pants at one point. So, you know, so <laughs> you, the things you guys don't hear that Tim's cut, Tim cuts out of these episodes are really the most entertaining parts. <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, Greg. Uh, do anything fun today? Assuming you're uh, hanging out with the family? No, I am on a massive diet. I'm down 16 pounds really? in 17 days, but I can't eat anything. So this is going to be torture. It's going to be like watching a Suns game. I'm just going to have to sit there and watch everybody else uh, enjoy themselves while I'm on the losing end of things. <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We will be back this weekend with a full episode. You just got done listening to The Solar Panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Akeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 